5K every day in the month of May 2022 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and today is Saturday, May 21st. Guess what? We are officially three weeks into the challenge. You made it 21 days, three entire weeks of running and or walking at least 3.1 miles every single day. That is truly incredible, and you should be super proud of yourself. Personally, I think this calls for a dance party. Well done. Take a moment to celebrate and keep going. This challenge isn't over yet, but you're well on your way to being victorious and to getting that free t-shirt. Today's daily fun photo challenge is another slightly bizarre one, but why not? It is to run or walk your daily 5K while wearing a backpack. Back in October, my wife and I ran the Baltimore Marathon together, and because of COVID, apparently for some odd reason, it was a cupless race. I kept seeing signs that said, reminder, this is a cupless race. But for whatever reason, my eyes were playing tricks on me or something, and I kept thinking the signs said, this is a couple's race, which was perfect since my wife and I planned to run it together as a couple. But alas, that is not what the signs said. The signs actually said that it was a cupless race. There were no water cups available on the course for the entire 26.2 miles. So I brought my hydration backpack and ran with a gallon of water on my back so my wife and I could drink from it every couple of miles. All of that to say, if I can run with a backpack on for 26.2 miles, then I think you can run or walk with a backpack on for 3.1 miles. So can you? Yes. Will you? Well, that remains to be seen. If you do decide to run or walk with a backpack on for today's 5K, be sure to snap a photo and to post it on the Facebook group page. We want to know who those brave souls are. For now, let's go ahead and get started with another dance song. This is the Alive to Shine remix from Poland Band. Enjoy. Whoa, whoa, 
Bible memory verse for this week is Luke 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Let's go ahead and jump into our daily Bible reading. We are still making our way through the incredible Gospel of Luke. Chapter 17. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. 
The Lord answered, If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, Come in and eat with me? No. He says, Prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or It's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, Look, there is the Son of Man, or Here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let go of your life, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. And Jesus replied, Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. There is a peculiar piece of dialogue here in Luke 17 that I believe is worth taking a little closer look at. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. That's Luke 17 verses 5 through 6. I find that to be incredibly interesting. The apostles approached Jesus with a simple request for him to increase their faith. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever asked the Lord to increase your faith? I know that I sure have. And what kind of a response does the Lord give to the apostles? It certainly is not what they were expecting. He says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could so-and-so and it would obey you. Strange. Do you see the progression? Do you see the connection here? The apostles ask for an increase in their faith, and Jesus does not give them an increase in their faith, but rather he essentially tells them that they already have enough faith to do incredible things. He didn't say, I can see why you would want more faith. In fact, once you attain to a certain high level of faith, then you will be able to such and such. 
He did say, if you even have a small amount of faith, which you have already shown yourselves to possess, then you can such and such. Friend, it's not about how much faith you have or how much faith you think you need or how much faith you're aspiring to one day have. It is simply about believing what even a small amount of faith can accomplish through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't need more faith. You simply need to exercise the faith that you already possess. Do you believe in yourself? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he believes in you? It is entirely possible that Jesus believes in you more than you do. Chapter 18. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. 
Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we are going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans, and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day he will rise again. But they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me! Be quiet! The people in front yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me! When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. There's one specific route that I tend to run fairly often, and it's a simple out and back on a fairly flat and straight trail. Now, because it's an out and back on the trail, sometimes I find myself absolutely flying on the way out. And then I turn around and find that I am far from flying on the way back. Often on the way out, I fail to realize that the wind is at my back. But I definitely realize it when I turn around and feel the full force of the wind in my face. And this little running illustration reminds me so much of life. It is amazing how you can just be going through life not realizing how great you have it until everything changes. This must be something like how the disciples felt. They were traveling along with Jesus, not knowing that they had the wind at their backs. Sure, they complained and they argued and they murmured, but they really had it going on. Jesus tried to warn them that the winds would soon be changing. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. And that's from Luke 18, verses 31 through 33. Things would soon get very difficult. And they would wish that he was still with them. In fact, Jesus warned them of that too back in chapter 17. He said to his disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. That's Luke 17 verse 22. Now, I don't know where you are at today. Maybe you're running with the wind at your back and you know it. Maybe things are going great and you are well aware of it and great. Just don't forget that everything can change in a moment. And the only thing that really matters, the only solid foundation is Jesus. Maybe you're running with the wind at your back and you don't even realize it. Take a moment to realize how much God has blessed you. Take a moment to be thankful. Everything can change in a moment, but God gives us these seasons of blessings to enjoy. And maybe you're running with the wind full in your face and you're well aware of it. Take heart. Jesus is with you now also. That's the biggest thing that the disciples struggled to understand. Jesus was not going to leave them harassed and helpless and all alone. He died and was buried and rose again and ascended to the right hand of the Father. But now he ever lives to intercede for us and has sent his spirit to be with us always to the end of the age. Praise God. Chapter 19. 
Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called out to him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, A nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then, turning to the others, standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers.
But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that all of you people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing, because all the people hung on every word he said. Well, I've had a chance to talk with two of the Avengers so far, and here we have a third Avenger, Mr. Scott Tinman. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm I'm glad that you finally got to the uh, good-looking Avenger of the three of us. <laughs> well... Uh, I'm sure that is uh, debatable, but I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing that's how your wife feels anyway. <laughs> Scott, you and I have been friends for years, and we've had the opportunity to do ministry together. So I have really enjoyed getting to know you. I've enjoyed being partners in the gospel with you. But for anybody who is listening to this podcast today, could you just give us a little, little idea? Who is Scott Tinman? Sure. I am in Northwest Ohio and been living here since 2013. So I'm in my 10th year at this church. When I came here, it was called Finley Evangelical Free Church. Uh, But this last year, we had a little bit of a name change. And so it is now called Living Hope Church. We're part of a family of churches up here. We started a couple other churches in the area. So that's with the name change. And so I've been doing youth ministry for 29 years, not quite as long as Mr. Bill trying to catch up to my hero there, but I have a wife, three boys. My oldest is 24. I have a soon-to-be, in the next few months, 21-year-old that's at college at Grace College in Indiana, and then we have one left at home. He's 15 and a half getting ready to get his temps so that he could start driving. So uh, I will need lots of prayer as the sanctification process continues in teaching my kids in how to drive. So that's me. Awesome. Well, Scott, you are a member of the Avengers. I'd love for you to just tell me a little bit, what is that to you? What does that relationship meant to you? And how did it start And why do you think having guys like that, brothers that you can really lean on and do life with, like, why is that such an important thing in life? You guys have a unique version of it that I think is really cool, but I think everybody needs something like that. Could you just talk a little bit into what that relationship has meant to you? Yeah. So the Avengers, uh, Mr. Bill, Eric, very good friends of mine. Uh, We met through different youth ministry circles. Uh, We were all part of what what years ago, Simply Youth Ministry was used to do a conference. Uh, We were part of a 
leadership team with that and got to know each other through those connections. And so uh, we just grew to uh, love one another and being able to enjoy each other's company. And we also realized we had a lot of the same similarities as far as mission, vision for youth ministry. And so uh, we would see each other during these different gatherings, and Eric was kind of close nearby. Uh, Then Mr. Bill at the time, he was in Texas when we first met. I was in Illinois. Eric was in Chicago area near where I grew up. And so uh, we just developed this friendship, helping to plan this conference and then staying connected. Probably in the last 10 years, our friendship really grew as far as being connected to uh, with Dare to Share Ministries and gospel advancing ministry principles. And we've really said, hey, we need to pray for each other. We need to encourage each other. And so we go to different conferences. And instead of staying at a hotel where everyone else was, Sun Life used to do this D conference down in Orlando. And I have a timeshare down there. And I was like, hey, instead of staying there, let's just get this condo together. And we called it the party condo. Probably a great memory for us the first year that Poland Band was down there leading worship. And they were live streaming or Facebook living after the conference. And we were at the condo and we were we we went live with you guys. We got invited into the conversation. So that was fun. So I think it's just more of, hey, we want to connect with each other. We want to encourage each other. We want to learn from one another what we're doing in youth ministry and how to be able to be gospel advancing youth ministries. And so we're praying for each other. We text each other probably too much. Some of the text threads uh, can go in different directions from time to time but they're fun uh, just because of the years that we have invested in our relationship together. And then we at least try to get together on a Zoom call. Our our goal is at least once a month to be able to catch up and be able to pray together and pray for each other's, not just ministries, but families and everything that's going on with that. So one of the most important relationships with Eric and Bill in youth ministry is finding guys, brothers that are doing the same thing, but in separate locations and how we could be an encouragement and learn from each other. I really love that. I personally am encouraged and inspired by your guys' relationship. I think it's super cool. And I think that's something, you know, I hope this 5K every day in the month of May challenge can facilitate those kinds of relationships too. people who can band together. Maybe it's not around youth ministry, although youth ministry is awesome, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it's around running or some other common interest. And I, I know that we all have a foundational commonality, which is Jesus Christ. So when we can band together like that and encourage one another, I think it's a really beautiful thing. Now the Avengers, all three of you guys are doing the 5k every day in the month of May challenge. And yet it seems that you all kind of came to that conclusion individually rather than all coming together and say, hey, guys, let's do this. Scott, you've done the 5K every day in the month of May challenge before, right? Yeah, I think I've got a few T-shirts to prove that. So you're kind of a a little bit of a veteran here in the 5K every day in the month of May and a, a guy who gives and receives encouragement on a fairly regular basis. And I would love it if you, as a 5K every day in the month of May finisher, even current participant, 
could offer some encouragement to the people who are in this challenge right now. I mean, we're we're three weeks in. Obviously, at, at some point, it's become a, a habit. You get out there and you get it done. But at the same time, it can kind of lose its life and it can lose its meaning. It can, can become a chore where it's like, oh, I got to go get this thing done. Like, what, what kind of advice could you give to people to keep going, but to not just survive the challenge, but to really thrive in the challenge? Yeah, I think, you know, for me over the years doing it, uh, it's always a good challenge for me to get, you know, as we're going in the summer, it's nicer out, you know, in Ohio here, the weather can change, you know, by the hour, especially during this time of year. And so, you know, when you go outside and, you know, it's a colder day or it's raining, you're like, man, I could not do this today. You know, sit on the couch and watch Judge Judy or something. I don't know. Uh, But being able to just know that there are other people that are doing this together. And so, yes, our Avenger crew is doing it together. But also this year, I was able to recruit a couple guys from my own church an accountability group that I'm a part of. We were challenging each other during the last few months as far as being healthy and eating right and things of that sort. And I told them, hey, we should do this 5K every day in the month of May challenge. And they're like, I can't do 3.1. I said, well, it's a challenge. You have to stretch yourself a bit. And so it's been pretty cool to be able to, to do that even with my these local guys you know, texting each other and saying, Hey, we're, I got mine in my legs are feeling like jello, but they're good. I had where one guy was texting me pictures of the stimulator he's putting on his legs because they're so sore. And so it was just being able to encourage and say, Hey, let's just keep going. Take one day at a time, make sure you fit it in, Uh, being able to schedule it, you know, being a pastor in a church, I find it harder on Sundays for me. That is always a challenge, especially because our youth ministry meets on Sunday nights. We got Sunday morning responsibilities. You know, all I want to do in the afternoon is go home and veg on the couch and take a nap and get ready for youth ministry that night. But it's been having to be intentional about that. Actually, the first Sunday was May 1st, I believe, when this started. And I remember wanting to get it in. It was raining out. And I was like, okay, I will go and get on the the death mill today and get this in. Went to Planet Fitness and our Planet Fitness closes at nine o'clock. Well, I did it right after youth group. And I walked in and they said, well, you got 15 minutes. And I'm like, you know what? I can't do one mile in 15 minutes. (laughs) So I ended up having to do go and walk outside and do, do it outside and just get through it. So, uh, you know, the Avenger crew is good being able to do that. Uh, funny story too, why we have the Avenger name is that when we were at a D conference, we actually went to downtown Disney and they had these pictures where you could put your face in like an Avenger pose. And so that's kind of how the, we named ourselves the Avenger crew because, uh, we want to do whatever it takes to get the gospel out. We have different call names, on that, Mr. Bill is Captain A. Eric, he thinks he's Thor. I think he's more the Thor that was in the castle after, uh, what was that, Endgame? What would you call that? Fat Thor, maybe? I don't know. And then I get Hawkeye because I was Hawk. So that's kind of what it is. But keep going at it. 
with the 5K in the May. You're half over halfway done, so keep at it. Is the Finley crew still going strong? They are still going strong, yes. And so that's that's fun to see and uh, see how we can finish this strong. I love it. So people who thought at the beginning, man, I don't know that I can do that, are still in it, and they're they're going to finish it. The, the only thing that could stop them from finishing now is just choosing not to. I want our Finley crew to be able to wear our proud 5K in the month of May t-shirts and and send it to you. I would love that. Now, you are a pastor. We've had the chance to do ministry together, and I'm excited because I believe you got something to share with us from Luke 19. So what is it from this chapter that you'd like to share with us today? When Jeff asked me, you know, can you do Luke 17, 19, as I was looking through it, I was like, oh, this is cool because in chapter 19, there is the story of Zacchaeus. And our second son is named Zach. We didn't go for the full Zacchaeus. We went Zachary on it. Zach is also our shortest child that we have. And so he really takes on the role that Zacchaeus does in the Bible for some reason. And yet, even though he's short like he is, he is at Grace playing basketball uh, in college. And so he he's overcome his shortness with other things uh, to be able to do that. But it really stuck out to me. And then the other thing about it was the fact that oh, about six years ago, Jeff has been to Israel before, but we've never been to Israel together. But I had the opportunity to go with Sun Life to Israel and to Jericho and to see the Zacchaeus tree in Jericho. And so it is just very interesting to me after you've been to Israel and seeing the places that you read about in the Bible and seeing what it's really like, it really changes your perspective or maybe it adds color to what you see. And so, you know, the thing that sticks out to me, you know, with the story of Zacchaeus, he was not one of the ones that people would have thought would be a follower of Jesus. You know, uh, he's a tax collector. They didn't like him. And yet it's interesting to see in this passage of how Zacchaeus is pursuing after Jesus and there's crowds going and he can't see him. And so he does whatever he can to be able to get into a position where he can see Zacchaeus. And then I think the cool thing about this, and it's the red lettering in the passage, so we know that that's Jesus speaking, is that Jesus sees Zacchaeus and says, hey, I'm coming to your house for dinner. You know, for me, thinking about this is Jesus sees each one of us. And no matter what our background might be, no matter what things that we have done in the past, you know, when we earnestly seek after, he's going to see us. When that happened, everyone was like, oh, look at this. Jesus is going with sinners again. And why is he doing this? And then when Zacchaeus realizes the, the mistakes that he made, he decides, I need to make this right. And, you know, it, it says what I'll, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Well, how is he going to do that? <laughs> is a question I always had because he was the reason why he was rich is because he was stealing from other people. So, you know, but he realizes that, Hey, I need to make this right. And it's because Jesus came into his life and changed his life. And he was, he's ready to follow him. And, and I love it when Jesus says salvation has come 
to this house. You know, think about, you know, that no matter where people are at, uh, what they've done in the past, whatever they've made mistakes, Jesus doesn't look at those. He sees us as, as a person who he loves and that he wants to have a relationship with. And so when you see the tree in Israel of where this could have happened and, you know, how Zacchaeus climbed up in that. And, you know, you always remember the good old Sunday school song, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, wee little man was he, but yet that didn't hinder him from having to follow after Jesus. So I just love that story. Fits in with my son, Zach, in so many ways, not that he was, he's a bad sinner, we're all sinners, but just common name and he ends up being, you know, a smaller kid, smaller guy or man now, but yet he's still following after Jesus and pursuing after him. And so it's it's a fun thing for me to, to be able to talk about. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed hearing from the Avengers. I know that I am encouraged and inspired by their brotherhood. There are two things that I want to encourage you with before we wrap up today's podcast. First, if you listen to the past three podcast episodes, you may have found it interesting, like I did, how Mr. Bill, Eric Grosinger, and Scott Timmon each told a slightly different version of how they became the Avengers. There were details and aspects and nuances of the story that, if you didn't know better, seemed to almost contradict one another. So whose version was right? Well, of course, all of their versions were right. They were just told from a different vantage point. I hope this little illustration helps you have a better understanding of how the four different gospel writers were also all giving an accurate account of the events of Jesus's life, even if from several different vantage points. Hopefully, this little illustration will help you to have higher confidence in the accuracy and the truth of the four different gospel accounts. But second, I hope you are also encouraged and inspired by this brotherhood that they have been able to form throughout the years. No matter how many miles separate them, they are united in spirit and on one purpose. If you don't have people like that in your life, why not? What is keeping you from reaching out to someone and forming that kind of deep, abiding relationship today? Maybe even through this 5K Every Day in the Month of May challenge, you're meeting people who have a similar passion as you. What's keeping you from forming an Avengers 2.0 crew? And if you do have a group like this in your own life, why don't you take a moment to thank God for such an amazing gift? In fact, why not take it one step further and reach out to those friends and let them know what they mean to you today. But for now, let's go ahead and send you out with another Poland Band remix. This remix is of the song Awakened.
Yeah.